thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the New York Yankees 10, the Cleveland Indians 9, in the longest game in baseball history. The longest nine-inning game in baseball history. It lasted, I believe, four hours and 50 minutes. And if you stayed up to watch it, I I don't know how I'm awake this morning. I literally don't know how I'm up doing this podcast. So I've made it. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan. And I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I'm going to be honest with everyone out there. You know, I'm human. Uh, I uh, I dozed off a little bit in this game, but uh, luckily it was only for about 10 minutes. I literally dozed off for like 10 minutes in the seventh inning, and I opened my eyes, and Jordan Luplo is standing on second base, and the game is tied 8-8, and I'm looking at my phone going, what the heck did I just miss? So uh, obviously I got caught up very quickly, realized that Sandy Alomar had made one of the gutsiest managerial calls he's made all season and it paid off and that the Indians were back in this thing which meant I was laying in bed staring at my phone watching this game until like one you know 1 30 in the morning like like the rest of you I'm assuming everyone stayed up and watched this thing how could you not how could you turn this off possibly turn this game off even though the Cleveland Indians were just eliminated from the playoffs by the New York Yankees you got to admit, it was one of the most exciting games in Indians postseason history. I mean, right up there with uh, Game 7 against the Cubs in 2016 and uh, some of those wild series in the 90s. I'm, the extra inning game, obviously Game 7 of the 97 World Series. So, obviously a little bit of recency biased here. Uh if there's old-timers out there that remember the 54 series or the 48 series, who knows? Maybe there was a thrilling game in that. There was a Willie Mays catch in the 54 World Series, so I'll give you that one. So, yeah, it's probably going to go down as one of the most exciting games in Indians playoff history. And, unfortunately, we come out on the losing end of it. It it was a gut punch because the whole game was haymakers. Both teams were throwing haymakers, putting up crooked numbers. And the win probability when Brad Hand enters the game was at 91% in favor of the Cleveland Indians. The win expectancy was at 91%, according to fan graphs, in favor of the Cleveland Indians when Brad Hand enters that game in the ninth inning. And I... Uh, it just that's that's baseball, man. That is baseball. It expect the unexpected. Crazy things are gonna happen. Everything this team did in the regular season, right? Hit just enough to win, pitch excellent, the best pitching team in franchise history in baseball this year, and we just get obliterated by the Yankees offense in this postseason. So let's get into this game. Let's see how it went down. I'm going to try to not make this a uh, four-hour and 50-minute podcast episode because there is a lot of stuff to get to here. But um, obviously, the dumb thing at the beginning of this game is that they had the non-rain rain delay. They sat in a rain delay for 50 minutes when it wasn't raining. They start the game. It starts to pour. So 
dumb decision by Major League Baseball to even start this thing until after that storm uh, storm system passed. It was, I mean, come on. It was Cleveland weather out there. The wind was whipping off the lake. The rain was coming down, you know, and swirling in sheets, and everybody was soaked. And, yeah, we've all seen that. Come on. That's Cleveland weather. You live around the lake. You know that's what a storm coming off the lake feels like. So, all right, let's get into this. Carrasco actually started this game really well. Carrasco looked like the veteran starter we needed him to be until he ends up loading the bases in the fourth inning. So, he gets two strikeouts in the first inning. He's looking great. The Indians offense comes out against Tanaka, and they're looking great. Cesar Hernandez doubles for the first hit of the game. Jose Ramirez follows that up back-to-back doubles. He puts one down the right field, uh, down the line in right field. Cesar Hernandez comes in to score, and then we go into the rain delay. All right, we bounce back out of the rain delay. Carlos Santana flies out. Fermil Reyes walks. What's, what's good is the rain delay was short enough that Carrasco and Tanaka both stayed in the game, right? That's what you don't want to see. You don't want to see a rain delay at this point in the first inning where both starters can't come back, and then you're just stuck in a bullpen game for the rest of the day. So, I mean, it would turn into a bullpen game because both starters would get knocked out, but, I mean, at least we got to see them battle a little bit here. Vermeil Reyes would walk with two outs, and then Josh Naylor, the hero Josh Naylor, would double on a line drive to right center field. It would go all the way to the wall. Jose Ramirez would come in to score. Vermeil Reyes would come in to score, and Josh Naylor was on fire. He was screaming at second base. He was so pumped up. Vermeil Reyes, remember, we talked about this. Him and Santana, they've got a little bit of speed when they need it. There is absolutely no metric I could find for you on Fangraphs or StatCast that's going to tell you that Fermil Reyes and Carlos Santana are fast. But when they need to get home, when they need to take that extra base, there is a second gear that they could both turn on. So Fermil Reyes scores all the way from first, and it is 3-0 Indians. Then Roberto Perez smashes a single off Glaber Torres. It you know, A-Rod was talking a little bit how the, the dirt being wet and the drying agent and stuff like that affected uh, the ball. And it looked like it did. It ate up Glaber Torres. It was a smash. Actually, let's see if we can find out the exit velocity. But um, there was no stopping Josh Naylor. He was n- in no way going to not score on this hit. And he comes flying around third and does a pretty sloppy slide into home. I'm guessing if the ball was spinning really weirdly in the dirt, the guys sliding were also spinning really weirdly in the dirt. Uh, The exit velocity on Roberto Perez's single was 108.8 miles per hour. So uh, just to give you some context, the home run that Giancarlo Stanton is about to hit was 109.7 miles per hour exit velocity. So the ball Roberto Perez hit right at Glaber Torres was just one mile per hour slower than a home run ball. It had an expectancy, a um, an expected batting average of 610, which means you would expect a ball hit this hard to go for a single. So four nothing Indians and Cleveland fans are dancing, right? We are having a blast. Four nothing already in the first inning. It felt like that's exactly what we needed to do against these guys. Stanton would come up after a Voight strikeout, and he would take a ball to the opposite field, and Stanton just has a ton of power. Just 
unbelievable amount of power. He puts it out for his second home run in back-to-back at-bats, by the way. He homered at the end of uh, of Monday's game, or Tuesday's game, sorry. He homered at the end of Tuesday's game, so homers here back-to-back at-bats. But Carrasco would get out of it. He'd get Urshela to strike out. He'd walk Torres, but then get Gardner to strike out swinging. What was working for Carrasco? What was he getting all those strikeouts on? It felt like the changeup was working a lot for Carrasco. He threw a lot of changeups at the bottom of the zone, dancing down and away to righties, dancing down and into lefties. And uh, the changeup felt really, really effective for him. A lot of his strikeouts here, actually, it looks like a lot of sliders. It looks like he got a lot of strikeouts on sliders and changeups. So though the off-speed pitches were definitely working for him. If the uh, Rays can take anything away from what the uh, the Indians were able to do yesterday, it's that the off-speed pitches are the way to get these Yankees out. All right, nothing for the Indians in the second, nothing for the Yankees in the third, nothing for the Indians in the third. Tanaka is starting to lock in. After Ramirez walk, he gets a ground out, a strikeout, and then Josh Naylor would fly out. So Josh Naylor's streak of consecutive hits in the playoffs ends at five. And he put a good swing. He put a decent swing on it, at least. Um, Then coming up in the fourth inning, this is where things get ugly. And I said, I said Delino DeShields' defense is going to hurt us at some point in these playoffs. And it hurts big in the top of the fourth inning. Aaron Hicks hits a ball that absolutely should have been and out. He ends up with a triple because the ball gets over Delino DeShields' head. Delino DeShields does the one thing that an outfielder absolutely cannot do. He absolutely cannot do. He takes his first step in. He takes his first step in on a line drive at him, and this ball sails over his head for a triple. He ends up slipping out there in the wet grass, and it goes all the way to the wall for a triple to dead center field. As an outfielder, you have to take your first step back. You have to be ready for a ball to go over your head. And then if you need to break in on a ball, you can break in on a ball. But guess what? A ball that drops in front of you goes for a single. A ball that drops over your head goes for a triple. And it sets the Yankees up for a rally here that there was uh, that really, really bounced the game back in favor for the Yankees. Um, I mean, that win probability line here is going to come all the way across back into the Yankees' favor. So after that, he ends up walking Luke Voigt. He ends up walking Giancarlo Stanton to load the bases. And Alomar said this was kind of the game plan. The game plan was to use Karinchek in the most high-leverage situation he could think of. And clearly, the bases loaded with nobody out is the time when you need some strikeouts. So he brings Karinchek into the game. He takes Carrasco out. Carrasco's day is done after only three innings pitched. Uh, He only threw 73 pitches on the day, 41 for strikes. And it is a... I, I tweeted out that this might be the decision that Sandy Alomar's playoff managing career gets, you know, judged by. And it does not work out in Sandy Alomar's favor. Giovanni Urshela, the former Cleveland Indian, comes up against Karinczak, and he gets a fastball. After Karinczak was battling with him, it was a battle. 
He throws him a fastball that was down and in. I mean, he was in the bottom corner of that strike zone. And Urshela hit it 108.3 mile per hour exit velocity for a grand slam into the bleachers. And I mean, what? Karen Check, I, I don't know what uh, Giovanni Urshela's heat map is. Let's look it up really quick. So, Giovanni Urshela on the season in that inside corner pitches down and into him on the 2020 season. He was hitting 500 on pitches down and in like that. And that's exactly where Karen Check put that ball. Now, Looking actually at his isolated power, his ISO, remember this is a stat we talked about that just measures power. He actually did not hit for power down there. The power was all away pitches. Middle away was where his power was, according to his heat map for 2020. So he actually hits really well down there, but just not for power. Well, last night he hit it for power. He smoked this ball. And suddenly, with a grand slam, it's 5-4 to four Yankees, and it's just ugly. He walks Glaber Torres, he walks Brett Gardner, and then he's finally taken out of the game, replaced by Phil Maiden. Who gets out of it, by the way? He gets Sanchez to fly out, LeMahieu to ground out, and then gets Aaron Judge to fly out to right. Uh, Karen Check on the day would throw 15 pitches, only four for strikes. I mean, the home run clearly shook him up. It clearly messed him up. He really had nothing left after that home run. And uh, yeah, Karinczak is clearly a mental guy. So it'll be interesting to see if he is future closer material or if they keep using him like a weapon, like um, like Andrew Miller, you know, using him in the middle of the game in high leverage situations. I a lot of you probably want Karen Check to be the closer, especially after what Brad Hand did in the ninth inning here. And uh, you can, it could happen. It could be those decisions could come quickly here in October. So uh, we'll see what the Indians decide to do. All right. Uh, Got to give credit where credit is due to Tanaka here in the fourth inning. Delino DeShield tried to bunt for a single. It's a play we've seen him do a lot recently where he bunts it between the pitcher and the first baseman. Both players go for the ball, and then no one's covering first, and he's safe. Well, the Yankees do not fall for it. Luke Voigt holds the bag. Tanaka scoops the ball in his glove and flips it out of his glove to get Delino to Shields by a step. Really athletic play from Tanaka. It was really impressive defense. Phil Maiden would continue to pitch in the fifth inning here. He would walk Aaron Hicks to start the inning. Phil Maiden looked mad yesterday, right? Didn't he just look mad on the mound that he was even there? Like, there was something... I don't know if that's just... We haven't gotten that many close-ups of Phil Maiden pitching, if that's just his pitching face, but he looked mad yesterday. Well, he was definitely mad after the fifth inning because Luke Voigt would double. It would move Hicks over to third, and then Giancarlo Stanton would hit a sack fly to right field. Aaron Hicks would easily come in to score. It was 6-4 to four Yankees. Then... Giovanni Urshela would hit one back to Maiden. He would do the right thing. He would run at Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt would get tagged out from third going home. The smart play there from uh, Phil Maiden, you run at the runner, right? If you got a guy trapped between bases, you run straight at him. Make him decide which way he's going to break and then get him out. 
Glaber Torres would finally ground out to end that threat. But it is now 6-4 to four Yankees. Bottom of the fifth inning, Francisco Lindor would finally do something in this series. He would double to right field. Cesar Hernandez would walk behind him. Brings up Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez would double. He would double on a line drive to right field. Francisco Lindor would come in to score. Cesar Hernandez right on his heels. He can fly. He comes in to score. It was a close play. They actually ended up reviewing it, and the call was upheld. He was safe at home. Jose Ramirez is into third base. Nobody out, and the Indians have tied the game at six. I could not believe it. I could not believe how quickly the Indians were able to tie this game up. And this is exactly what we wanted from the top of our lineup all season, right? Lindor sets the table. Ramirez drives him in. Hernandez doing the work in between. This is exactly what we wanted. And now we're set up perfectly to take the lead. We've got Jose Ramirez on third base, and we got our big hitters up. There's absolutely no way Jose Ramirez is not going to come into the score, right? Third base, nobody out. Carlos Santana strikes out on a foul tip. Fermil Reyes strikes out swinging. Josh Naylor, the hero, flies out to right field to Aaron Judge. They left Jose Ramirez standing on third base in a moment where they absolutely needed it. Chad Green had come into pitch for Tanaka, and after giving up the double to Jose Ramirez, he absolutely locks in, gasses Santana, gasses Reyes, and gets Naylor to fly out. Come. The middle of the lineup is going to be different next year. The middle of the lineup, I mean, this whole lineup could be different next year. This whole Indians team could be different last year. There are a lot of decisions this front office have to make. But Santana hitting four, Reyes five, it just was not working down the stretch. For Mil Reyes, yes, he finishes the 2020 season hitting 275. Yes, he finished with a 795 OPS. But... In his last seven games, he was only hitting 217 with a 598 OPS. In his last 14 days, he was only hitting 209 with somehow a slightly better OPS, 604. It's because he walked a bunch more times. He only had two home runs over his last, he only had one home run over his last 14 games. Only had two home runs over the last month. Let's look month by month here. For the month of September, yeah, he had two home runs in the entire month of September. He hit 244 for the month of September with a 691 OPS. That's opposed to August where he had seven home runs where he hit 313 with a 954 OPS. So either people figured out Fermil Reyes and how to pitch Fermil Reyes or he just went into a slump. He just went into a bad, bad slump. And uh, it hurt. I mean... I guarantee there are a ton of rallies that were killed or ended because Fermil Reyes struck out hitting fifth for the Indians. So it kills us again here. Jose Ramirez is left on third base. I know this episode is long. Sixth inning, Tristan McKenzie comes in to pitch. You felt like this was the right decision. Tristan McKenzie starting an inning, right? He had a clean inning to work with. We had a tied game. It was a brand new game. If McKenzie goes in there and pitches great, he can run for a few innings. He could probably have run all the way to the end of the game. But instead, 
Brett Gardner walks, and then Gary Sanchez, who apparently is Alex Rodriguez's favorite player. Gary Sanchez homers to right field, brings in two runs, and just like that, after the Indians just scored two runs to tie the game, suddenly the Yankees are back up to, they're up eight to six. My God, this is what I'm talking about, haymakers, right? The Indians hit a hit a hook, hit an uppercut, and the Yankees come right back and hit us with one of their own. And off of McKenzie too, right? You really, really thought that McKenzie was the right decision here. Um, I No way am I blaming Alomar for this one. Let's see where this pitch was. It was right down the middle. It was a four-seam fastball right down the middle. It's really the only pitch that he gave up down the middle. Um, It was the only hit he gave up, as a matter of fact. Uh, McKenzie, yeah, that would be the only hit he would give up. He would walk two. He would strike out two in uh, one and two-thirds innings. This was the only hit he gave up, and it was a fastball down the middle. And you know what? As a starter, that's fine, right? If that's the third inning of a start against the Yankees in a game in June, it's okay. But that is one of the things about bringing in a young guy as a reliever in the playoffs. Relievers know there are no room for mistakes, especially in the sixth inning of an elimination game. There's no room for mistakes. You will live or die. Your reputation is made on whether or not you make mistakes like that. So Tristan McKenzie obviously is going to be in the starting rotation or you know, up for the starting rotation next year. He's got to be in the starting rotation next year, right? I know he's still got some things to work on. I know they probably want him to add more muscle and more weight and uh, keep working on the velocity on that fastball and stuff like that, but... He's got to be a starter for us next year. They can't send him back to the minors after what he did to end this season, can they? I hope not. I hope it's not an options thing and stuff like that, and we'll see. The Indians have a little bit of a rally going here in the sixth. Roberto Perez with single. Tyler Naquin will be called out on strikes. Tyler Naquin, is, you want to talk about struggles. You think Fermil Reyes is in a slump? Tyler Naquin is in a slump of all slumps. Delino to Shields with single, though. Move Roberto Perez up to second. They bring in Zach Pritt in a pitch, and Francisco Lindor would ground into a double play. Is this the diving stop that Giovanni Urshela makes? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, this one wasn't. This was just a chopper. This was just a chopper to him, an easy double play for the Yankees to make. The old 5-4-3 double play. And uh, Lindor, he talked about the playoffs are where heroes are made, right? You Moments are made in the playoffs. He did not come through in this moment. Um, his, his final line of the day was one hit. That double was it. That one double that sparked the rally uh, in the fifth inning would be it for him on this day offensively. So the Yankees come back out. Tristan McKenzie handles the seventh inning. Uh, eventually they have to go to uh, Nick Wickren. Nick Wickren would come in to face Gardner, and he would get Gardner looking. Nick Wickren actually is in the conversation for MVP for the day. Nick Wickren did great work out of the bullpen. He would get two big strikeouts to end two big innings here, including Gardner to end the seventh. All right, the Indians uh, get a rally again going in the seventh inning, and this is where I dozed off. Don't I dozed off for a little bit? I, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, 
Cesar Hernandez would strike out swinging. Jose Ramirez would ground out sharply. And then Carlos Santana would walk. That's what he does. Fermil Reyes would walk behind him. Those guys actually, when they walked, create really good stuff on the base paths. And uh, Carlos Santana moves up to second. And then the big decision. Now, Britton is a lefty. And he felt more comfortable with Luplo facing a righty, basically, than Naylor facing a lefty. And Indians Twitter exploded. It is funny to see all the tweets where people are like, what is Alomar doing? And then a follow-up tweet, okay, I guess I'll take it. So he pinch hits Jordan Luplo, and Jordan Luplo hits a double down in the count. Jordan, Jordan Lupolo, I believe he got a breaking ball away. I think he was down in the count one and two. I'm not going to say it right. Facing Jonathan Lojega out of the bullpen who replaced Zach Britton, the righty who came in. Go ahead. I correct my pronunciation. Believe me. Uh, Jordan Lupolo down in the count one and two. He gets a breaking ball away, and he actually is able to get the bat the barrel of the bat out there. He's able to hit it over Aaron Hicks's head. Santana comes in to score. Fermil Reyes flying again, scored twice from first base last night. And he comes in to score, and the Indians have tied it at eight. And are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The Indians somehow have tied this thing back up. Roberto Perez is hit in the hand by a pitch. Looked ugly. There were a lot of small bones in the hand where he got hit. And uh, he has to come out of the game eventually. And then Tyler Naquin would ground out to end that threat. But a two-out rally from the Indians in the seventh inning ties it up. It's 8-8. Nick Wickren would stay in. He would get Sanchez to strike out. He would walk LeMayhew. He would walk Judge. Things are getting rough. Then Aaron Hicks would ground into what should have been a double play. It should have been, but he muffs the ball a little bit. He's still able to get the out at second, but now there's runners at the corner. They bring in Clint Frazier to pinch hit for Tyler Wade. And then Nick Wickren very enthusiastically gets Clint Frazier to swike, strike out swinging. I believe Wickren threw him a fastball on the outside edge. Yes, it was 94.1 miles per hour fastball. And he gets Clint Frazier to strike out swinging. It was a big, big pitching performance from Nick Wickren. He has been, he has been a heck of a pitcher out of the bullpen for us. He is definitely someone who we are going to continue to count on for a few more years. All right. Bottom of the eighth inning here. The Indians would rally again. Delino to Shields would walk. Jonathan Logiaga was still in there. Delino to Shields would walk. Francisco Lindor would walk. They were not messing around at this point. They were not going to waste this opportunity. In a tie game, they go to Araldis Chapman with nobody out in the eighth inning. Cesar Hernandez would take the first pitch. Cesar Hernandez was not waiting around the very first pitch. It's a fastball inside, and he bloops it. He bloops it in the left field. It drops in front of Gardner. Gardner's arm is about as weak as Delino DeShields, and Delino DeShields knew it. He, as soon as he knows this ball is going to drop, he takes off for home. I'm telling you, from second base, he was going home no matter what. He scores, and the Indians go up 9-8. to eight. And this is with nobody out. We had a chance to add on. Jose Ramirez, unfortunately, gets gassed, absolutely gassed. 
by Araldis Chapman. He tries to check his swing on a high fastball and can't. And then Carlos Santana, this is the diving stop by Giovanni Urshela. Giovanni Urshela is definitely the MVP for the day for the Yankees because this play was outstanding. Diving to his left, throwing off his rear end. Carlos Santana hit that ball really hard. Let's check the exit velocity. Let's check the expectancy on this one. Carlos Santana hit that ball at 108.7 miles per hour off the bat. It was a 98.9 mile per hour fastball. It has an expectancy, an, an expected batting average of 450. So you would expect this ball to make it through and be a hit. But Urshela dives, gets it, fires the second, throw back the first. They double up Carlos Santana to get out of the inning. So once again, we had an opportunity with nobody out. We had taken the lead. We could have blown that thing wide open. Instead, we go to the top of the ninth inning, up 9-8, to eight, and Brad Hand, the best closer in baseball. Yes, he gave us heartburn all season. Yes, he had some really, really wild innings. But there's no denying he was the best closer in baseball during the regular season. He comes in, and he walks Giancarlo Stanton to start things. It just looked like he couldn't throw his fastball for strikes to start, right? He was hoping Giancarlo Stanton would chase that slider, and he didn't. He walks to start. Pinch runner comes in. Giovanna Urshela, then he gets ahead. He gets ahead of the next two batters, and it just felt like we couldn't get a win. We couldn't get anything here. Giovanni Urshela, down in the count, throws his bat at a slide. I didn't throw it. I mean, we saw Jose Ramirez throw his bat. This wasn't that. Giovanni Urshela stays on a ball that was down, a slider that was down, and flicks it up the middle into center field. Tachman stops at second, the pinch runner. Glaber Torres then, down in the count as well, chops a ball off the plate. Brad Hand trips, jump, you know, walking back on the mound, drifting back on the mound to catch this chopper. He stumbles on the back of the mound. He can't come up with the ball cleanly. Everybody's safe. Then Brett Gardner battles. Brett Gardner fouls off a bunch of pitches, but eventually Brad Hand is able to strike him out. And you thought, okay, we got it. We got the out. Yeah, the bases are loaded, but we got the double play situation set up. He got him on. A, he got Gardner on a four-seam fastball away on the outside edge that he couldn't foul off. And then Gary Sanchez is able to get a sack fly to center field. He's able to get a piece of it instead of getting the ground ball to get out of it. He gets a fly ball to center field. Tockman is able to tag, come in and score. It's a nine-nine game, and DJ LeMahieu is up. DJ LeMahieu who out of nowhere seemingly, has led baseball in hitting the last two years. He's a hitting machine, and he is able to single up the middle. Let's see where this pitch was. It was a slider. It was a slider on the outside edge to LeMahieu, and he just takes a nice easy swing, puts it underneath Brad Hand's legs, and past the diving infielders in a center field for a single Giovanni Urshela comes in to score, comes in to score what would be the game-winning run in the top of the ninth inning. Quantrill would come in, walk Judge, would get Aaron Hicks to strike out swinging. And then in the ninth inning, Chapman stays out there, and the Indians just had no chance. Fermil Reyes goes down swinging. Luplo is able to ground out at least to Glaber Torres. Oscar Mercado comes in to pinch hit. He swings through 
Araldis' Chapman new split finger pitch, which was in the dirt. Gary Sanchez can't knock it down. It goes all the way to the backstop. Mercado is safe at first on a strikeout. I said Gary Sanchez was going to do something. He was definitely going to let a pass ball go by that was going to hurt the Yankees. Well, it doesn't hurt the Yankees because the only thing the Indians have left on their bench, the only right-handed hitter they can throw up there is Austin Hedges, and Austin Hedges strikes out on a check swing. Yeah, he probably went. It doesn't matter. We had Austin Hedges hitting against Araldis Chapman. He goes down swinging, swinging, and the Yankees eliminate the Indians from the playoffs. I told you it was going to be a long one. There was a lot to get through there. I mean, the longest game, nine-inning game in Major League history, regular season or postseason. They tied the record for the most combined walks in a playoff game. This thing was insane. This thing was silly. It was ridiculous. It was gut-wrenching. Man, I mean, if we came up with the win, if we end up winning in that ninth inning, we'd be saying best playoff game ever. We take the loss, and it might be one of the most painful playoff games ever. All right, MVP for a day. It's a segment we always do on this show. And, you know, Nick Wickren is in contention for this. He really, really pitched great. In one and one-third inning, he did give up two walks, but struck out three, no hits, no earned runs for Wickren. He's in contention. Cesar Hernandez in contention. He was on base three times. He had a double, a single, and a walk. He scored two runs, including the hit, the, the, the hit, that bloop single that allowed Delano to Shields to come in and score. But I got to give it, I got to give MVP for a day to Jose Ramirez. The two doubles, three RBIs, led the team in RBIs. He also walked. He also scored a run. He was clearly our best hitter down the stretch, and he did it again last night. He was excellent last night. It just wasn't enough. In the last at-bat when we needed him, he ends up striking out uh, to Araldis Chapman in that eighth inning with runners on. After Cesar Hernandez had given us the lead, Jose Ramirez had a chance to add on. He just couldn't do it. So, yeah, but still the two doubles earlier in the game, he had done it to that point. He le- he leads the team in RBIs with three on the day. So, Jose Ramirez is getting my MVP for the day, and it's tough. In a loss like this, it's really hard to give out a game ball or something like that. But, yeah, Josh Naylor did everything he could in this series. He goes uh, one for three with a double himself. He had two RBIs. Loop low, pinch hitting. He has an RBI double. So combined, the platoon of Naylor and Loop low end up going two for five with four RBIs and a run scored. Roberto Perez actually went two for three on this game. I told you the bottom of the lineup was probably going to do something. I told you six through nine was going to come up with something. And it turns out it was Josh Naylor hitting sixth, who... Uh, who tried. He tried to be that guy for the Indians. It is going to be really interesting to see what Josh Naylor's future is going to be because for the month of September, we did not see this guy. This guy that was screaming and banging on the dugout railing and screaming from second base. This dude who was just a ball of energy. I don't remember seeing it in September. I don't know where this came from. So if this guy, if this spark plug is here all next season... Man, that's going to be fun. So, 
Yeah, it's a rough series for Santana. Santana does not have a hit in the playoffs. Fermigo Reyes does not have a hit in the playoffs. They both have a couple of walks at least. It's bad. Naquin, 0 for 4 on the day. It's bad. The final line for Carrasco, three innings pitched, four earned runs, two hits, only two hits. The four earned runs actually came. Those were inherent in runners from Karen Sheck. Um, so Carrasco, you know, didn't necessarily give up those hits, but the runs do get credited to him. Three walks, six strikeouts. Man, man, so much. Brad Hand takes the loss and the blown save. Two-thirds of an inning, three hits, two earned runs, a walk, and a strikeout. The uh, win goes to Araldis Chapman. Two innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts. Um, even though he did give up the hit, it was an inherent runner. The run gets charred to Lojega. I have no idea how to say his name. So... That's it. That is the Indian season. Um, The jokes were made yesterday that, hey, they played in October. Yeah, they played past midnight, so technically they played in October. But it's frustrating. The Indian season is over, and that's really all the comments. The comments from all the players were, it's frustrating, we battled, and they did. They really did. I mean, the final score is 10 to 9. And if that's not a battle, I don't know what is. So, it's really, really disappointing. There's really no advanced stats for me to jump into. I mean, in a two-game series, advanced stats don't really tell you much. Uh, in a sh- this short of a sample size, it's all it's all here in the box score. You can see it. Both teams were just, just throwing haymakers, just swinging away. The win probability line is all over the place. It's dancing up and down for the Indians and the Yankees. And... The Yankees get the they land the last blow, right? Uh, you know, in the final round, they they land the final blow. And Araldis Chapman again, Araldis, how many how many heartbreaks in the Francisco Lindor era end with Araldis Chapman standing on the mound? It feels like that guy has been haunting us for the entire Francisco Lindor era. I mean, that's how we're going to define this era of the Indians, right? Maybe the Terry Francona era. But I feel like from 2015, 2016 to now is just going to be the Francisco Lindor era. And Araldis Chapman is the end, is the final chapter, the final nail in the coffin to most of those stories and to most of these seasons. So Chapman does it again. The Yankees go on to face the Rays. And I think we can all agree we are all Tampa Bay Rays fans right now. The Rays did a number on the Yankees during the season. The Tampa Bay Rays were 8-2 against the Yankees this season with a plus 13 run differential. So if anybody can knock these Yankees out, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. So that's who I'm rooting for. Uh, We did have an email comment come in. Thank you to Dave. I'm guessing Dave is writing in from Columbus Dave, I appreciate the email. He said, great job with the podcast. I found them over the past month and have truly enjoyed your overview of each game with the advanced statistics slant as well. I hope you're able to continue in the next season. Dave, I'm definitely going to continue in the next season. He said, I started this email right as Sandy made the decision to pull Josh Naylor for Jordan Luplo, which I thought would have been the worst decision of this game when lo and behold, Luplo hits a shot over the center fielder's head to tie the game. Great job by Luplo, but I'm more impressed with Naylor's team-first excited reaction to the two-out double to tie the game. 
He has been the most improved Indian during this series, and I'm hopeful that he becomes a mainstay in left field next year. Keep up the great work, and hopefully you get to have a podcast that is for a series tying game two. Well, Dave... We don't get to do a Game 3 podcast, unfortunately, but thank you for the email. And yeah, Naylor is definitely someone who I'm suddenly excited about. I was absolutely not excited about Naylor when the regular season ended. And after these two games, I am really excited about Naylor's future. Now, people have talked that he might actually end up at first base. You know, his long-term future might be at first base. He's got some hustle out there in left field. I don't know what the you know, zone rating is. We can look all that up to see how he grades out as a left fielder. So whether it's left field, whether it's first base, I think Naylor is someone who is in the Indians' plans for next season. And with what he did in this postseason – he definitely is someone that Indians fans should keep it should keep an eye on. So, thanks again for the email, Dave, or David. Sorry, I hate when people call me Dave. I'm Davy. So, David, I apologize. Thank you for the email, David. And uh, yeah, that will do it. That will do it for the 2020 season. Unfortunately, it comes to the end. All good things come to an end. I uh, I'll probably wait a few days and then do a season wrap-up final episode. Um, I know we already did our, our regular season wrap-up, but we'll, we'll talk about everything. We'll talk about the playoffs. We'll talk about the future for the Cleveland Indians. So we'll do another episode. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe I'll do it this weekend when I've got some time to really sit down and think about these things. I'll try to continue to do episodes over the offseason when there's transactions, when there's big things going on. Um, you know, as the hot stove heats up and stuff like that. And when we figure out what's going to happen, I mean, Major League Baseball still has some decisions to make for the 2021 season. I mean, the coronavirus is still out there and it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. So will we continue with regional schedules? You know, what are they going to do? How are they going to keep the players safe in 2021? So there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about during the offseason. Uh, I, I don't know. It's going to be a little sporadic for when I do episodes during the off season, but I, when there's big stuff to talk about, I will jump on the mic and try to talk about it with you. Cause I hope that you found this podcast an accessible place to talk baseball, to hear some baseball talk. Uh, you know, I try to break down the stats as best I can and really make all of these advanced stats accessible to everybody. Right. I'm not a statistician. I didn't, you know, I don't study this stuff. I'm a fan like you guys and girls, and I wanted to understand this stuff better. So hopefully, you know, we did it together. Hopefully now when you see fan graphs or when you see these beat reporters like TJ Zuppi and Zach Meisel and Mandy Bell and Paul Hoynes and Tom Withers, when you see them tweet out these stats now, these advanced stats, hopefully you understand them a little better. Hopefully you pick up on these things now when you see them. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me all season on these Cleveland baseball mornings. Again, the final from Cleveland, it's the Yankees 10, the Indians 9. We'll be back maybe this weekend to do a final wrap-up. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the season, and we'll discuss them on that final wrap-up show. We'll discuss them all off-season. 
Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me all season on these Cleveland Baseball Mornings. Mornings.